All right, everyone. It's the Everybody Counts podcast. We're back live from the Bosch Pit. We thank our Bosch Pit Facebook hosts for allowing us to use this space again to do the podcast. So thanks so much. We appreciate it. It was a lot of fun last week, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. Yeah. So it was fun uh, having the feedback from everybody live during the discussion. Uh, especially finding out that I was a favorite. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sure I that felt good. I know you like that the most. <laughs> so now I have another chance to vie for that title. Right. So, you know, right. another week. So, all right. Well, we're talking about episode eight from season six tonight for Bosch. It's called Almost Copycat. Now. Almost there. I know. I know. We are nearing the end of season six. Stuff is coming together, but some stuff is falling apart, Jay. It's it's just going both ways. I so. hope it's Maddie's relationship. Is it falling <laughs> apart? Is that what we're oh, talking about? <laughs> you just want her to stay at home forever and, and not yeah. move out and have Harry, a life of her own? Harry okay. Needs okay. Her. He needs All right. Interesting. Well, the director of episode eight is... Ernest Dickerson, and written by Eric Overmeyer and Alex Minahan. So let's get into it. We're going to do our case review, yeah. pretty much a recap, talk about different things that happened in the episode. Then we're going to we're going to have our questions for each other, the interrogation room. Maybe we'll yeah. get some from the Bosch pit as well. We're going to talk about persons of interest who may or may not be suspects. It's just someone that we want to highlight for the episode. We have um, our evidence locker, where we'll look at what we found out this week, and our tip line. We have some feedback from other listeners. and. There's been some trivia submitted, too. So when when we're getting the tip lines, we're getting trivia now. So it's tip line slash trivia submission. We're getting a lot of questions. Got to keep us on our toes. I know. I hope you're ready. And then finally, at the end of the podcast, we treat you to a fantastic interview with Amy Aquino, who plays Lieutenant Grace Billets. She's amazing. She certainly is. Yep. So definitely look forward to that. A lot of good stuff. Always a great time talking to Amy. So, you want to get into it, Jay? Nope. No, you're turning back now. Yeah, I'm going to bed. <laughs> we gotta it. talk. We gotta talk about some more Honey Chandler. We get some <sighs> Honey Chandler near the beginning of this episode. Yeah, I know. We think we're gonna have a trial, but it's a pre-trial hearing. Yeah, not, not been, too much happens. Nope. One of the one of the biggest surprises at this pre-trial hearing is probably your buddy Heather Strout <sighs> shows up. Yeah. What a what? I just, her and Alicia Kent in the same room. That's just I know. like bleh, gross. Yeah, that's a bit much. So yeah, Bosch is like, what are you what are you doing here? And she gives a speech about, well, if you think the law works so well, let's see what you can do. Let's see if you can bring justice, you know, yeah. for my husband who's um, dead and gone. Yeah, so, she doesn't care about that. She's just causing trouble. Yeah, probably. Probably yeah. stirring the pot somehow. Her and her She's got a backpack flyers. with her, Jay. Yeah, with those stupid flyers in it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's got some flyers in her backpack. I mean, it couldn't be anything of harm, right? She went right through security. Mm. So, hmm, hmm, interesting. That's too bad. That's too bad it wasn't something good in there. Harry could have <laughs> just yanked you right out of there. And just sent her home or sent her to jail yeah so but she's there harry does give her a warning if you cause any kind of commotion raise a fuss you know you're out of here so he tells her that but we get into the pre-trial hearing and basically all we have are two like motions to dismiss evidence so i think we probably already knew that they were going to try to throw out the sound recording yeah. the sound car um because you know alicia went on her big spiel about the california law saying that you know it requires consent and of course the the da's office says um Again, conspiracy supersedes consent. So that's their argument there. But still the the judge, Judge Sobel, has to make a decision. But then Honey decides that she wants to uh, dismiss the wiretap as well. And her argument there is is basically that Bosch didn't clearly communicate 
what evidence he had, that it was suspicious, that, you know, he made it sound like he had more than he really did. I don't know. That sounds kind of like a weak argument to me, Jay. Yeah, it sounds like she's reaching. Yeah, especially since the judge um, for the trial is the one who signed the warrant, you know. Right. So it's kind of a bold move, too. I, don't, can you imagine being that judge for a second? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, you didn't like that I did that. Yeah, you don't. You don't think I made a good decision? You don't right. think I, you know, yeah. checked all the yeah. all the information? So uh -huh. yeah, that pretty much puts an end to the the pretrial hearing for now. They're going to have to reconvene once the judge looks at everything, makes her decisions, and once the the district attorney's office looks at their second motion to you know dismiss the wiretap. How can they argue against that? That one you know came up as a surprise. So not a whole lot happened, but as we find out later, when Maddie runs into Honey Chandler on the street, this is pretty typical. Yeah. There are a lot of pretrial hearings building up into a trial. Each one, you know, she says, gets you a step closer. So I guess we got to just get used to it, Jay. Just that was a up. nice conversation, though. That's like when yeah. I met mm -hmm. Honey Chandler. It was very, mm -hmm. like, it was nice and it was professional and it was like informative. Yeah. And you educational, know, even yeah. When she was talking about, like, well, she says she's not guilty, and I don't know that she's not. I mean, that's kind of snaky, but it's the truth. But it was, well, like, yeah, she, she helped define her role. Right. You know, you know like that's when I appreciate honey. Yeah. Right. She's like, it doesn't matter what I believe about Alicia Kent's innocence or, or guilt. I have to help defend her plea, and the plea that she made was, was not guilty. So it kind of puts her in a little bit of a box that allows her to yeah. do <laughs> what she does, you know, in, in defending someone that could very well uh, be guilty. They also talk a little about the Dante Crow case. There was a big settlement. Do you remember the amount, Jay? Why you got to put me on the spot like that? I'm not. I'm just asked if you remember it. I didn't challenge you. 6.5 million. That's what it is. Thank you. Nice chunk of change, $6.5 And, you know, Maddie tells her that she heard all about it in the paper. And, of course, again, nice from Honey. She commends her on her part in making that happen. You know? and, and Maddie should be like, so um, what percentage is mine? Yeah, yeah. What's my, what's my take? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hmm. I mean, we're talking about it on this podcast. I would think that would earn a little bit too, right? Exactly. Hello. <laughs> Come, Come on, on, honey. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, they do. That was a nice conversation. You're right, Jay. I agree. So, Harry heads back over to Detective Klein's office. I don't necessarily know his description. You know, he's looking, he's, I mean, you're an IT guy. Do you have a, a good name for what he does? He's trying to recover the video. I don't know what, I don't know what they call that in the police department, actually. Yeah. I have no idea because it's not really IT, but it is I. I don't know. You're it's like, like the, forensic IT or something. Yeah, yeah, it's probably some kind of computer forensic. Yeah, just blah blah blah. Yeah, blah, whatever it is, he's got a cool job, and thank yeah. you for him. Yeah, I guess it's probably also who Jay Edgar was referring to when they were trying to recover the videos in the yeah. Kent case. You know, I forget the name he used. So if anybody knows, certainly let us know. We'd like to know about that. But yeah, do you want to talk about his discussion? with Detective Klein, what he found? No. Okay. Don't right. you? <laughs> Moving on. Haven't <laughs> you learned you can't ask me yes or no questions? I'm going to say no. no All the time. I know. Why have I not learned? Oh, too funny. He found some stuff. He yeah. did. He found some stuff. And mm -hmm. he, I mean, he gave it over to, to Harry. You know, amazing. Let's, let's just think about this for a little bit. This laptop is old. Very old. Yeah deleted footage right it's deleted to begin with yeah yeah and so he's hooking up now think about this right so you know like we're in the age of iphones and fancy laptops and this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And he, 
I mean, they did a good job in the prop department. They found one of those laptops that are, you know, 26 inches thick. They weigh yeah. 140 pounds. Yeah. It's probably got like Windows 98 on it or something. And he finds a way to get into it, retrieve that data, and put it into a format that he can hand over to a detective to now go through. I can That's actually impressive. watch it. Yeah. Right. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. You totally. know, and, that, and for all you criminals out there, you got to think about this, okay? That's scary stuff, okay? They'll yeah. find you. Yeah. No, I, I can honestly tell you that I don't have anything to hide, but I but this season has made me think as I delete emails and different things, I'm like, this stuff's never really going away. <laughs> you know, it has drawn my attention to that. So, but uh, Harry asks Detective Klein if he watched any of it. I mean, surely when he's trying to retrieve it, he's going to see some of it. Yeah. And um, he said, yeah, as you really creepy, bad stuff. Um, he says, so are you thinking that one of these guys is the killer? And then we get a nice quote from Harry. That's the thing about killers. You don't know. Could be anyone. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and then Harry's great about that because, you know, you go down a path. You're looking to see if this guy is in here, but that's not exactly the way Harry looks at it. He's looking to see, okay, maybe they're there or do I eliminate them? He keeps right. all options open all right. the time. I mean, it's, that's what makes him Harry and so good at his job. That's right. So, yeah. And by the way, Anita in the Bosch pit just mm-hmm. admitted to everyone that she has one of those laptops that weighs like 10 pounds. Still. For real? <laughs> I don't know if she's using it now to be on Facebook, but wow. Jay, she's saving it for the music. <laughs> right? I mean, you know. That's the excuse everyone uses. But it, right? That's pretty cool, though, that she still has one. I'm impressed. Right. Hard to come across now. Right. All right. So yeah, Harry has to, he has to look through all these videos and he shows some yeah. of it to Jay Edgar. And of course, you know, they're all disgusted by it. This is really bad stuff. So Jerry asks Harry, how many of these do you have to look at? You know, and he's like, just pretty much way too many. Cause I don't want to look at any of them. You know, yeah. it's really rough stuff, but they kind of work together on one that they pull up. They identify a guy, I think last name Lewin or something. And so they're, they're pretty much making a short list. So Jerry's doing some research and he's like, well, this guy had a divorce, you know, less than a year before he was caught on tape and he has domestic abuse charges. Maybe we should look a little closer at him. So Harry's like, yeah, add him to the short list. So, you know, Harry's got his list going. He looks down at this next name, Roger Dillon, and he has sort of some recognition about it and we find out that dylan's name that same name was also in the chronological record for the backseat butcher now that's the case that harry's been looking at with uh, detective charles and they tried to law enforcement first thought that daisy's murder was part of the backseat butcher's serial killings but then you know we found out that he was in jail that night in the drunk tank so he couldn't have done it so that opens everything back up but that's why he's looking at this case and the chrono and everything to see if he can tie anything together or make any sense of it. Why, you know, what else it might point to. So he sees this guy's uh, name, Roger Dillman and sees that he was the cleaner on the case. So why don't you pick up there, Jay? I mean, basically what, what, did he, what happened back then at the time of the crime? I'm, I'm so disappointed in you. You learned to ask an open-ended question. Yeah. Yeah. It's so not yes, no. I had to answer. I know. Yeah. It's Dang a what it. question. Yeah. Dang it. I don't remember. Does that well, work? he's looking through the chrono, and he sees when they cleaned, or I'm, when they I'm, when they processed the scene. Are you messing with me? Yes, I'm messing okay. with you. I was like, dude, you need to know this information. <laughs> All right, carry on, smarty pants. Now, they see the entries for this guy and how he was led into the crime scene with mm-hmm. no background check, 
know nothing because he's got a legitimate business yeah. and can legitimately be there. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness for, um, oh, oh God, why I just lost his dang name. Klein. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, Charles. Dang it. Whatever. See, this is why you shouldn't be live on Facebook. They don't realize <laughs> it's edited out when we mess it all up. But all this stuff is all there in the original notes, which is amazing. Yeah, it's documented. You know, yeah. Everything in this, in the murder book is there. Yeah. So now we know that this guy was there. He was allowed in there because I'm pretty sure this was the episode how they discussed too, how everybody was vetted that had been at the crime scenes for everything, right? Am I right? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we knew we know at this point that the whole task force on this backseat butcher right. had passed a polygraph. Right. Well, this, yeah, this cleaner right. w- was not on the task force. Right. He so wouldn't he have taken a polygraph. get in and out and be in and out mm-hmm. and a record of it too. So now yeah. this guy we now know has a connection to Clay. Yeah. Has a connection, not necessarily to the killer, but the killer's crime scenes Right, to the presumed, the original presumed killer right. of Daisy. Yep. So now we know something's up. We know something, yeah. And we know that the backseat butcher had a signature. So this guy, Roger, the cleaner, post-mortem bio cleaners, his company, he was privy to that signature. And that was right. the symbol that was kind of like a diamond with feet, is how Harry described it. Yeah. And that had been like a calling card for the backseat butcher. So they also found that, you know, a Daisy's crime scene so that's why they originally thought it was tied together well interesting this guy saw that symbol but no one else did you know right in the public it was not public information so so he finds that he he reviews those findings with brent charles um from the backseat butcher case and they you know they pretty much agree this must be your copycat that's the name so definitely need to go down this path further and check out this guy dylan so me yeah, not just you. Um, so speaking of the laptop, the old laptop, Harry takes it back to Alex Sands and returns it. And, and Alex is surprised. I got to say, I was surprised. I didn't think he was going to return it. You know, right. he didn't, he didn't act like he was going to return it, you don't but he did. Yeah. And also asks him for a picture from back in those days when they were running that hustle. And when do you need it now? <laughs> so, you know, it's just now we need it now. So he gets a picture over to him. Harry takes that, heads over. He finds out where Dylan is cleaning currently. He calls the, like the office number and tells, you know, he identifies himself as a detective and uh, wants to know where he is. He's out on a job. He finds out where that job is, and Harry heads over to that job. Now, not in the form of a yes-no question, Jay, how would you like talking about that confrontation between Harry and slimy Roger Dylan? You know, what a what a weird kind of set of circumstances. This guy's in his crime scene. He's in his element. There's a detective there, which he's used to, whatever. And now he's being thrust this picture in his face, mm-hmm. which I thought he handled really well. Did you think he handled it really well? Because if it were me, I would have run. Yeah, no, it was smooth. It was certainly, yeah. yeah. Um, And, you know, Bosch being Bosch, like, what do you know about this? You know this? How about this? How about that? And, and he makes him look at it twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and he's so menacing. Look again. He's like, look at this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he does, it in, he, he does it in that, like, bosh, firm, I'm in control, just do mm-hmm. what I say kind of thing. Yeah. And, of course, denies the whole thing. I don't know. Right. I've never seen him before in my life, probably. Right. But I feel like when he does show it to him that second time, Mm-hmm. The nerves are totally shaked. Like, okay. holy mm-hmm. crap, 
the, the jig is up. Did you get yeah. that? Yeah. Or is that just. Yeah, he, he breaks a little bit in his right. yeah facial expression. So, and, and you know, Harry tells him, this guy, you know, you may not recognize him, but this guy has information on a laptop, personal information about you. And he's like, should I be worried? Well, first of all, I think I would be worried. <laughs> period, you know, right. but that's his question. And, you know, we, we have to mention the fact, I'm sure everyone remembers that this guy, Dylan also tries to schmooze Harry, you know, thank you guys for, you know, picking me right. up on another crime scene and stuff. And he's right. like, you have the contract, please stop, you know, and that's just right. so annoying and, and says a lot about, I think about his character, you know, that he's, there's some insincerity, you know, so yeah so he yeah he but he sticks to a story nope hasn't seen that picture so bosch heads out but he doesn't head out far he's just kind of around the corner and old dylan's finishing up and uh gets in his van to head back to the warehouse now jay did you remember seeing this dylan guy at the beginning of episode three when they were at the craver crime scene no go i think book readers i, I mean i can't presume who would and would not notice but i think i think it's you know more likely maybe that a book reader would recognize it because we had this character the discussion of this character in mind already and uh so he has shown up before on screen if you look at the beginning of episode three and they're coming out of uh before they go before they're getting information about craver's murder how long it's been and and so forth you see a flash of this guy at the van the post-mortem bio cleaners van and it's kind of striking because of the really uh, my friend ann pointed out that you know that bright blonde almost white hair you know so you, you may have have noticed him but this is not the first time this guy has shown up so mike mike noticed him i Good. didn't notice him okay all right i should i should switch with mike mike he's <laughs> not here never mind all right go ahead so if you did notice that that would make you even more suspicious at this point but harry's suspicious yeah. and he follows him yeah. uh, you know of course dylan doesn't realize he's following him but he follows him back to the warehouse the the um the bays are open there's a white van there jay it matches the description of the white van that alex sand saw dun, dun, dun. yeah so it's creepy it's just creepy that 100%. slow drive by yeah that's you know the van just enough for the recognition it's kind of slow and you're just like your gut kind of drops because you're like oh my gosh this creep it really could be him so that's where we pretty much drop off with that story for this episode but i think that's a a big find that's a huge sure. find mm-hmm. yeah i think harry's closing in Done. all right let's Come on. let's shift over to yeah no kidding operation safe sidewalks it's in action yeah mm -hmm. action it is like no joke action yeah they're having like a full-on you know meeting for everyone as part of the initiative um crate and barrel are in there two um street cops you want some trivia it's uh officer chef shepherd and morgan it's a little nugget they're the uniformed officers in there of course edgewood is in there he's helping lead this operation with billets and they're about to go ascend upon a particular homeless encampment because they have an undercover cop there. Lisa Hammond has been there for about a couple weeks yep. living on the streets and she's identified a dealer that comes through there regularly. So we, we get some uh, doubt from Crate and Barrel. They're like, well, what if you get this drug dealer? There's going to be another drug dealer or they're just going to move around the corner and Barrel uses a phrase that's like sweeping sand up on the beach. You know, right. you're never really done. Right. So, but Billets points out that it's a process 
you know, it takes time, one step at a time. And they, they do talk about having social workers, caseworkers coming in and not just eliminating the drug dealer, but offering other supports there at that time to um, help, tough, you know, help these folks make a it's change. It's a tough situation. I mean, Very. You can't, it's not going to fix itself overnight and you no. can't ignore it. You got to do something. So right. I, I, I get their trepidation, but yeah, hey, let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Try something. If it doesn't work, try something else. You'll learn from it. Let's let's try to move on it. So yeah. So we see Lisa undercover at the encampment, and she's telling the guy's called a teller. I, I did not know that. I had to get that from the subtitles. But the guy who between the the homeless residents on the streets and the dealer is called the teller. Did you know that, Jay? Did you know that lingo? Uh, no, I, unfortunately, I, uh, I'm not that, uh, entrenched into the, uh, selling drugs to the homeless <laughs> good, world. So I, I didn't even know they had titles like that. So yeah, well, I'm glad to hear the, the reason you weren't familiar with it. The only reason I knew was from the <laughs> yeah. subtitles, from the captions, but yeah, they call them like, like the teller, like a bank teller, you know, between the, between the dealer and the folks on the street. And, uh, so he comes across Lisa and she's like, she says she's in a bad way. You know, she's sick. She needs yeah. something. He's like, help is on the way. And the car that they've identified that she described pulls up and the teller gets in the car. They're starting to make the exchange and woo, 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 woo. that's not a really great sound effect, but several police cars, you know, converge upon that. Everyone starts running and Lisa's actually the one who tackles the drug dealer. It's impressive. You know, I watched that scene a couple times, actually, because when she tackles him, when I first saw it and she tackles him, I'm like, uh -huh. I think she really tackled him. Like it was her, not like a stunt person. I, I know. I wasn't, yeah. So like I watched it three times and I'm like, I'm pretty sure she really tackled that dude. I would love to have some intel there because it is. I agree. It was very hard to tell. I looked at that closely as well. I think she did. <laughs> I think she so. really did make that leap and like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's see what we can find out. That's, we're on a mission now. So yeah, they catch him and they, you know, they take him away. They take the teller away and, uh, you know, Edge and Lisa, I think they're flirting a little bit. Did you see that as flirting? It's just a little like, hey, you have a fan was, there. And he's like, well, something. Yeah, yeah, something. you know, maybe I'm just looking for it. I don't know. But, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see her again. Also, everyone in the pit agrees. Awesome. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yes, it's not just me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're all in on that one together. Yeah. All righty. So then we move over to the chief and Jenkowski. They're having a, a meeting with the LA Times. So they have made this progress. They have had an actual success story, you know, at this initiative. They, they've taken out a drug dealer. Yes. Um, so they have something to report. And that's what the chief has been waiting on it. When we announce this, you know, through the newspaper or whatever, we want to have results to share. And so now they have some results. They have done something. So they're in this meeting, I guess, where it sounds like they interview different candidates to figure out who they're going to endorse yeah. for the paper. So we see some familiar faces. We see Laura Cook and we see Scott Anderson. I say that with a little bit of disdain, don't I? Scott <laughs> Anderson. A little bit, right. Yeah. <laughs> but they talk about the, the initiative, the safe side Operation Safe Sidewalks. People are intrigued, impressed, and apparently they're gonna do a story about it in the paper. And mm -hmm. Irving's telling, you know, Jen, I want it at the top, center, above the fold, you know, big headline for them to announce this initiative. And she heads on her way and Scott Anderson shows up and asks Mr. for a moment of the Anderson. chief's time. You know? 
can you talk to me, Chief? I need a moment of your time. And he makes his little spiel. He's trying to get a job as the press secretary, thinking he's going to win mayor. He hasn't even won yet. We'd love for him to win, but, you know, he hasn't doesn't have the job. But old Scott Anderson is already looking for an opportunity to be his press secretary. And he's like, you know... I've got this tape on you. Melissa Rogers sent the tape to him. So she didn't get really what she wanted from Beryl and sends it on to Scott at the newspaper. And Scott thinks he's, you know, he's got this wrapped up, you know? He's like, so, you know, we have an understanding. Jay, I know you want to talk about this part. Go ahead. This is my man Lance Reddick right here, okay? (laughs) I know that he's not really Chief Irving, and Chief Irving isn't Lance Reddick, but I envision in this moment (laughs) they are the same person. One and the same. Because he's like, yeah, we got an understanding. Won't you give that to the editor, sucker? I'm out of here. Peace. And he's like, you know <laughs> That's what? pretty much it. That's pretty yeah, much he it. He's not going to. And he has the glare. He has you, the glare. Listen, that, we saw the chief last year, you know, with the little Schroeder incident. And we we're like, hmm, what's that about? Uh-huh. You can't buy him. All no. right. This man wants to be mayor legit mm-hmm. for the citizens of L.A. to make things... You're not gonna buy him. You're not gonna no. bribe him. You're not no. gonna. You're not gonna force him into some. No. You, he doesn't play games. I mean, this is not how he operates. But he does have another, you know, security in his back pocket because Laura Cook is Scott's editor, and he's already promised her the big story on Marcos and Arias talking to Internal Affairs and so forth. So I, I think he's that's some um, good collateral or whatever you want to call it that you know she's not gonna miss that opportunity to explore this. You know, is that definitely true? I don't know. But that's the way I kind of saw his, um, besides being Chief Irving, that's another reason I saw him, you know, being so bold about it. Go ahead. Take it to your editor. There's your understanding. So great scene, though. I, I, it was a great scene. I loved him coming up to him and getting in his face. Especially it was because, classic. Especially because he just, he's got that even keel, like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Almost, it's almost Not rattled at all. even keel growl almost Mm -hmm. like where you can't tell it's a growl but it's a growl and like you just you don't even respond to it you're like yes sir chief sir yeah whatever you say say. yeah like you can't you can't argue with that tone of voice even so uh good scene good scene so here's some fun stuff jay uh, the chief heads to a fundraiser june's already there he's talking to jen kowski or no he's talking to honey chandler and ray thacker his fundraiser jen's there somewhere and they're talking about how you have to schmooze but they've gotten some big checks and you know that's good they want selfies with the chief but do you recognize the house jay dun, dun. um i'm gonna say yes even though I don't, so don't ask me whose house it is. Because <laughs> why would I ask if it, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Dude, that's Tom Galligan's house. If you look back at the party in season five when um, Maddie goes to his house, you can you see the same layout, all the same furniture. It's the same house. Now, whether they use this, reuse this location because it's a fabulous location. Right. Or I also could see it being used because it's Tom Galligan's family. I mean, they are prestigious. Right. They could be hosting a fundraiser. Sure. So, sure. you know, I don't know. I tried to get an answer online, but I haven't heard yet. So if anybody has any more intel, let me know. But but it is clearly that same location. So I just like to bring up anything associated with Tom with you, Jay. So I just wanted to impart that information. Well, you're an amazing to- individual. <laughs> this is why I love you. Yeah, that's the reason. All right. So, yeah, and they do. I thought it was fun that they point out that June was schmoozing and working the room just fine. She does seem to be adept at that. 
Yeah. So uh, Irving is lucky to have her. So, all right, let's get back to the station, Jay, because everybody's getting emails from Internal Affairs about some alleged misconduct. Boots gets an email. She's being accused. Vega gets an email. Pierce gets an email. He's supposed to be a witness. What's up? We know what's up. We know that stinky old Cooper filed a, a complaint. You know, he's the, he filed on behalf of Vega when she told him there is no issue. Just let it go. Yeah. This is blown way out of proportion. Yeah. So now it is blown way out of proportion even further. Yeah. So Vega gets the notice. She tells Pierce. He says he gets a notice too. And she decides to uh, go to, to Billis right away, you know. Yeah. Kind of, I mean... It's assertive. It's, you know, it's bold. She wants to handle it. But what else is Billet's going to think if she goes in there and says, I'm not the one who did it? You know, who does that? You know, it's like a kid who, <laughs> right. you know, stole the candy. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so, but they do clear the air and she finds out that she did, you know, raise some concerns, kind of touchy feeler, not feely, not really her style. Um, Billet's, you know, explains she meant no harm whatsoever, but it's, it's good that they cleared the air, you know, and now yeah. Billet's won't you know be that way around her she knows that that makes her uncomfortable you know people can make changes and can you know adjust their practices but they need the information but uh billets decides to go to cooper and she you know she confronts him like what's up with this you know this is nothing you know big and i've talked it's just it's just nothing and he's like well let's let internal affairs decide you know they do a good job let them do their work um, they, you know, they do good work, you know, they're fair. And she points out, well, that hasn't been my experience. You know, we know the stuff with the whole captain thing. And uh, he says something again about uh, they, you know, work with people or whatever. I can't remember what it was. And she's like, yeah, again, that has not been my experience. But he says, just let it play out. You know, she can't convince him that there's no need to do it. And she calls him on it. She tells him that it's BS, you know, and he has the opportunity to just shut it down right there. But he won't, you know, he won't. Such a self-righteous bleep. Uh-huh, yeah. Oh. He's the worst. So, and then he, then to make matters even worse, he starts smoozing with Pierce, kind of hinting at job oh. promotion opportunities. God. You know, oh, like, don't God, change your so story. Track you. Yeah, say it like we talked about, you know, on you were such integrity and just like and you know, giving him all these compliments. And you know, it was even worse that he was doing that crap while he's getting, he was his, getting shoes his shoes <laughs> Like a little pompous little, oh, dude, I just hate that guy so much. Yeah. Oh, God, I just. He's the kind of person you just want to smack constantly. So, I mean, that is some, that's some major acting. I mean. And by the way, everyone here, um, (laughs) the Bosch pit, yeah, Cooper is a jerk and all that good stuff. Uh, Yeah. I was saying that Vega should have talked to Billets right away. Should have talked to him first. Pierce. That's a good point. Yeah. And if she had, we could have avoided all this at this point, you know. There's a, there's a lot of good discussion there around how this was handled, for sure. But, yep, Cooper's going to let it play out with IA, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Now, Dwight, Dwight Wise, Gary's father, he cannot let his son's murder go. Don't blame him. I mean, how could you? needs to send him on a vacation somewhere or something. I mean, he's in a bad way. Who wouldn't be? No, I know, but... Like, he but knows he's, he's messing with bad dudes, man. Yeah, yeah. He bad he carries dudes. it to another level when he shows up at Jacques Avril's charity, Sekou Haiti, means rescue Haiti. And uh, he goes in like he's going to be a volunteer, says he has family in Haiti, he's talking to Remy, having a little chit-chat, and uh, wants to kind of infiltrate. You know, he'll just go in as a volunteer, has his camera, get some scoop. Well, the whole time, 
Avril is watching him on cameras. Avril comes down to the lobby and talks to him and he, he calls him by name. So that's a little creepy right there. You know, they've never how met. We, like grabbed his yeah, hand. Yeah, as hand, yes. Oh my God. It's a, it's a firm handshake. It's a long handshake and it's by name. And you see Dwight having to kind of pull his hand out. It's very much a, um, a, a threatening kind of, you know, aggressive move. And he's like, what do you, what do you want? Mr. Wise, you know, why are you here? You know, are you following me? Being really coy about it. And, you know, he says, you must have a lot of time on your hands. I know, you know, a, a prior detective, you know, you've got your camera, you want to check things out. And he says, I want to know who killed my son. And he just, you know, kind of scoffs at him like, what, you think I know anything about that? Dwight asks again. And this time he tells Remy to call security. And uh, Remy does just that. Dwight is not moving. He finally starts to move and uh, gives uh, Avril the big F you and Remy puts the phone down. He does walk out. So he puts the phone down, but it's, it's not like Dwight. It's not the way he planned. Did not go the way he planned. Cause he's sure. messing with dudes. He knows. Or no oh, man. oh yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's mm. most certainly playing with fire. So yeah. uh, it, it has me worried. It makes me worried when he leaves that building. I was like, you can't, you can't really turn back from that. You have totally exposed yourself, oh, yep. and and he knows that you think he's involved. Yeah. So we uh we then we get a little bit of celebration later with Avril back at his office at the Crenshaw Grill and Bar lot Crenshaw Live. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's like toasting the first deal he's made with Felix Mariama. So you know, good stuff. And Hoven's like, are you going to be there tomorrow? When I you know basically drop. Just loads of money of cash or drug money. <laughs> and he's like, no, but Remy will be there and he'll take care of you. And just all niceties and everything, you know, toasting their deal. Well, you see Hoven stocking up. They, you know, they're packing the car, the doors of the car with the money back at the DEA. He's getting ready. He's got surveillance with DEA, surveillance with RHD. So Joan Bennett's there, Brad Conniff's there, you know, Jamie, Jamie Hector. <laughs> Jay Edgar's on the task force as well. So he's with yeah. them watching. And he pulls up, you know, right when the shop is supposed to open. And, you know, we've seen this before. We've seen Winston and Marvel pull up with a car full of money. They close the doors. They take out all the money, put it in a bag. You know, we've seen it happen. We know how it works. But nobody comes out. There's there's no one. It's like dead there. If they don't open. There are no people. Before you know it, it's nine o'clock and no one has has come out. Yep, so that's no good. That's not a good sign. So uh, Hoven thinks that you know that he's been burned. So they shut it down. Go back to the offices. You know, obviously there's a fail. They they you know somebody figured something out, which we know that Winston did tell Avril about it. So, but that's, that's not the end. Jerry gets a call from Avril that he has a problem. So Jerry goes to his house. He ushers him out the back by the pool, offers him some coffee. I think you're very polite. And he talks about this drug dealer who has you know, approached him with a business deal. And he, you know, he talks about, uh, he's an honest citizen. And so I have to report it. I can't do that. And he mentions Felix Mariama. And Jerry's like thinking, yeah, I know, you know, I know all about this. And Avril knows he knows all about this. But then before Jerry leaves, he's like, oh, and I know the names of the men who shot your detectives. And, you know, that definitely gets Jerry's attention. And he tells him it was John Winston and Robert Marvel. Of course, we knew that. But now Jay Edgar knows that. So it's a creepy scene. It's just, yeah. it's kind of, Snake. I mean, I, I hate to say, well, I hate to say masterful, but I mean, that's yeah. just the way yeah. Avril plays it. He wants yeah. to be one You're step right. ahead. You're right. He wants to keep people off guard. So, wow. So we don't, you know, that's kind of where that story ends for the episode. And that, I mean, that's most of what happened. We had a couple of fun things. 
we had a couple other fun things and then we had one really bad thing. One more really bad thing. It's a brief scene, but we see Elizabeth go to a bar and she orders two shots of vodka and she downs them. So she is officially off the wagon. You know, yep. we have seen her come so far. Yep. I, I have a real, I, I, this really just, I don't know, touches me deeply. I, it's so hard for me to see people fall off the wagon, you know, whether, I mean, I know it's TV, but it happens, you know, and yep. look at all that's happening yep. to her. And it's just so sad. You know, she has worked so hard, you know, it, and this is, and she's getting more information. They're getting closer, but it's like, it scares her, you know, and she's thinking, seems to be thinking more about what was her role in all this. You know, she's got her ex-boyfriend saying you were too high to know that she called. And so she's got all these doubts coming in. She's, they're getting right. closer. And it's like she, her mind doesn't know what to do with it. So it's really sad. So yeah, we see her take those two drinks, but on a, a much lighter note, we have a you know fun conversation with Maddie and her dad when she tries to make the pasta noodles from scratch, and <laughs> you know the jig is up. We can clearly see that you know it's a mess over there. It was not that simple, mm. the way she says. Right. Um, but she's talking about maybe going to work for Chandler again, and uh, it, it's interesting that she said you know, all these decisions. You know, what would you do? You know, did you deal with this? These type of decisions? He's like, no, I didn't have choices, and he was in a very different situation at her age. There really there were no choices, so right. that's pretty telling. But uh, probably one of the funniest parts of the episode is when Bosch ribs Jerry about the nickname oh, that Joan has for him. Gosh, that <laughs> whole scene, that whole thing about him going was the best. Yeah, he just the kept best. giving it to him, you know. <laughs> oh my, it's Joan, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he ca still calls her Bennett and Carrie's like, come on, you've been dating her for yeah. how long now? And you still call her Bennett? You know, yeah, he's like, I don't want to rush things, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, or whatever. And he's like, what does she call you? Jed? You know, and he's like, oh, oh, I get it. J-Ed. Tiger on the prowl. That was <laughs> so funny. It oh, was funny. My Lord. So, yeah, she calls him Jed. So oh. that's a new one. Yeah, that was fun. That was yeah. a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Definitely. Those kind of moments, they're like extra special because you don't get a whole yeah, lot of you, this in the Bosch world, you know. Yeah, you really appreciate them amongst yeah. all the other tragic storylines. So, well, I think that's I think that's about it for our case review. I mean, dun, dun. things are moving right along. Yes, they are. Um, so it's time for the interrogation room. So you and I will ask each other a question. If we have any from the Bosch pit on Facebook, we'll oh. take them. So keep me posted there, Jay. All right, I can do that. Okay, uh, but I'll go ahead and ask you. Okay, go ahead. Why does Vega keep breaking protocol? She has this sort of rebellious streak. You know, when they had the case last year, the body parts case, and RHD wanted to take it from them, she's like, no way, Jose, and she stayed on it. That's not really the way it usually works with RHD. You know, when she gets this notice about billets, she wants to go to her right away. That's not the, the channels, the, the timing of it, but she goes to her right away. She doesn't care about the protocol. What does this say about her? Does it concern you or like, how do you compare that to what Bosch does sometimes? You know, he, he kind of pushes the boundaries sometime. Um, how do you see it with her? I don't know. She's really complicated. She is. Yeah. She is really, she's, to me, I think she's a little hard headed. Okay. I think she's a little ambitious. I think she's a little sensitive. Mm -hmm. I think it's almost, it's almost to me like maybe, and this is really a generalization, like maybe mm -hmm. she hasn't found her place in this world. You know what I mean? Like, okay. he's not sure what kind of person she is or wants. Mm -hmm. I don't know because she's not, 
I don't know. She's just not typical the whole way around. She's not your typical mm-hmm. detective. I don't think she's your typical woman. I don't, and I don't, I don't, I don't mean I'm not saying that negatively or whatever. I just, I don't know. I yeah. really don't know. And someone like her too. So like, you know what you're going to get out of Pierce. You know mm-hmm. what you're going to get out of Bosch. You, you know what you're going to get out of Crate and Barrel. Mm-hmm. But her, she's mm-hmm. just like a, like a firecracker unknown. Yeah. So I, Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I I can't really answer my own question because there is still so much mystery surrounding her. She will like tell her partner a lot. She'll tell him things that, you know, make her uncomfortable, but then she won't really come clean or clear about her personal life. Like she drops these comments and you don't even know if she's kidding or if it's true. You know, Pierce doesn't even know sometimes. And uh, it's almost like she kind of likes to shock people either with her actions or her words. I mean, that might be in overgeneralization but I, I mean I like the way you use firecracker yeah you just don't know what to expect she right. keeps you like sort of unsettled or like you just you know you don't yeah. you're not prepared yeah. for what she's gonna you're always kind of guessing but with I also want to say I kind of like that too yeah yeah you you just don't know and yeah so, it's, it's good to have that mystery and kind of like layers to a person right. you know she you want to get to know them disappoint me one episode maybe but impress me I mean you just you just have no idea and it's totally, absolutely, 100% fine for her to be uncomfortable about what Billets was doing. Um, she relates it to a personal problem when she talks to yeah. Cooper you know, back then. So we don't really know what if that's just something she said or if there is something more there. We don't know necessarily the whole story. But no matter what, it's okay if that makes her uncomfortable. And it's okay that she talks to Pierce. So it's all valid. But to it is confusing to me to raise the concerns and then say it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying she's doing anything wrong. It just, it just kind of throws me off, you know, my game. Like, well, wait a minute. Did it really bother her? Or she just, I don't know. She's very mysterious. That's what it comes down to. But maybe we'll learn more in season seven. We can only hope so. All right. I'm going to go with, uh, my question is going to be about billets. Okay. What the hell is she going to do about all this? How is she like, (laughs) How's she going to deal with Cooper going forward? Like, this guy's not going to go anywhere. Going to be her superior forever. Like, she's just going to give up and retire one day and say, screw this? I mean, like, how much can one person take? You know what I mean? Well, I think he's proven himself to be so, I mean, I don't want to say pathetic. That's really... (laughs) A strong word but I mean he's just not reliable you know just like he tells like she tells Vega when she says and he assured me that he wouldn't take it any further we would just drop it and she's like well you can see what that's worth right. I mean he's proven himself time and time again to not be reliable and trustworthy right. Right. so either I would say maybe she's just gonna keep it at that and just say I can't trust him I'm, I'm gonna involve him as little as possible in my job you know but I like my job and I'm gonna go forward and just hope that maybe he trips over his own his own self you know and and gets in trouble himself um but i mean it, it certainly is challenging to think how do you keep working with someone so i, I my only inclination is that she will just minimize her all right you know follow uh, up follow up yeah follow up question season seven episode three bill okay. walks into his into his office and shoots him are you oh. gonna get up and cheer <laughs> are you gonna get up screaming like whoa tell me uh no, you know me better than that. <laughs> Come on, Tracy. <laughs> no. <sighs> you know, I'm way more on the Pierce 
structure of things, you know, gotta follow the rules. So uh, maybe if it was a dream sequence or something, you know, <laughs> she wakes up and just, I hate that guy. <laughs> but um, no, he, he, hopefully what he's do will, will come. Um, I, I don't necessarily embrace that, that format, but uh, you know, <laughs> interesting follow-up question. So. Ellie likes my idea. She does? Okay, that's, okay. That's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. Do we have any questions out there, or should we move into our persons of interest? Oh, our sister teacher had a question that I wanted to throw out there. Where the heck did it go? Dang it. Oh, she wants to know, did Pierce forget about the issue he had with his partner during, during season one about telling on people? Oh, Yeah. No, I don't think he forgot it. I, I, I think he's like, oh my gosh, here we go again. You know, I crossing, coming into these gray areas. He's probably just really frustrated. Probably make him think about that. Like, you know, why do I keep coming up against partners that are, you know, I feel like are forcing me into to gray areas and making me make decisions. But that is definitely a, an interesting callback yeah. that she raises. He's, he's, been, he's been here before. All sure. right, let's get into persons of interest. Who you got? Okay. I have so many in this episode. Why don't you go first this time? Why you got to do that to me? Because I've gone first a lot. I know. I like it better that way. Jeez, <laughs> um, man. I, uh, man, there really is so many. I was hoping you would steal one of my picks and it would help my. Narrow it down for you. All right. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, I'm stalling as I <laughs> tell it. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I mean. <clears throat> I'm going to go with. Dwight. Okay. Because I mean, there's so many things that happened this episode, and yes, his his portion was small in comparison to some of the other things. But he's just the guy's so hurt, and he's so dedicated into what he's trying to do, mm-hmm. and he makes such a bold yet crazy move mm-hmm. by really just confronting the whole thing, and then even after that handshake. And mm-hmm. tense conversation to respond to Chakarill with a big F U. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I gotta give it to him. I gotta <laughs> yeah, he's he's I, probably like at this point I might as well just go all the way. Yeah. I I just yeah, I'm gonna choose him. Yeah. No, that's I mean that's a definitely a good choice. And you think about where all that is coming from. You know, it's it's coming from a place of love for his son and how strong that must be to talk to this scary guy like that, you know, I mean, that's, that says a lot about, you know, how he feels about his son. Um, I, I went with Jacques of real. Um, Oh, so you just going to choose my, my enemy of my pick. Wow. Well, it's fitting, but you got to show both sides. He was on my list. I can, I can show you the paper, but (laughs) I know you can't see that. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, so I won't go on and on, but it's so interesting to me how he strategizes and how, in that conversation at the end, he tells Jerry a piece of information that he knows Jerry already knows, (laughs) and then he tells him a piece of information that he's pretty sure Jerry doesn't know. And I just, I just find it really fascinating with the way he couples those together and, it's just different. It's just so many levels with him of deception. You know, it's like, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. You it's know, it's true. It's true. Yeah. And it, it, so that's really, I mean, that was my main point about him is that he just is just so strategic. I mean, I can't think of a better word right now, but he, uh, or master of deception, I guess. 
you know, maybe is a better yeah, word. He's, he's just perfected yeah. that kind of a uh, thing. So, you know, and, and inside information to behind the scenes stuff for mm-hmm. the, for the MOSFET, uh, Tracy got to talk to Jacques Avril just yeah. the other day. And I was supposed to too, but gosh, yeah. dang it. If my real work didn't get in the way and I'm jealous <laughs> because he seemed like a really cool dude. I want. He is a really cool dude. And, and I mean, I got to tell you, Heads up, just as fascinating as Avril is in a deceptive way, Treva Etienne is very fascinating in a positive way, you know, in, uh, with his creativity and so forth. There are so many layers with him as well. So, uh, yeah, definitely look forward to that interview. I did that with Anne, and she's helped us out a lot. Love having her on the podcast as well. And we just, we had some some great conversation with him so if you really want to get into that character's head even more yeah than what we can do here on the podcast or what we understand if you want to get inside you know from from the perspective of the actor playing him definitely tune in for that one so tune in for all of them but i'm yeah. telling you there's a lot of good inside intel there and with that then, one uh, sister teacher chooses the ci as her point. Ah, as yeah this uh Mike chooses Bosch and Edgar kind of together because of uh, that amazing scene, which they were high up on my list there too. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, no one picked Captain Cooper, so okay, good. They're allowed to stay. Well, I mean, you can pick it. a bad person for sure, but we sure. just well, we you, don't like you picked Jacques Avril. Yes, yeah, I picked can. a really bad. But person. You can't pick Captain Cooper because he's a jerk, and it's that okay. simple. Okay. Okay. The new rule of the podcast that I'm instituting. There's that narrow band of evil, you know, not not Jacques a real evil, but that that one right. level that we just cannot discuss. Right. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Those are good choices. Good choices. Yeah. Okay. All right. Evidence. We got that white van, man. Yeah. That's some, that's some big evidence. I mean, they haven't like wiped it down or looked at it, but it's yeah. pretty telling. Uh, we've got the videotapes back, you know. Yeah, that and, whole thing. Hundred yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. And you know the fact that he finds out that he was he was the cleaner at that crime scene. Roger Dillon was. Yep. The old audio tape has resurfaced again, but uh, Irving pretty much it seemed like he shut that down. What else we got? Oh, I said more evidence of Cooper being a dirtbag. I actually wrote that down. We got more evidence of Cooper being a dirtbag. So. Oh, see, that Truth. is that should have been the first thing on your list. It should have been, yeah. It was the last. It was kind of like the the final, you know, yeah. boom, the big big evidence. So I'm sure there's probably some other evidence we didn't mention, but everything sort of, like yeah. I said, it's coming together, but it's also falling apart. Yeah. We find out who these killers are. We found out who, you know, Winston and Avril. I mean, we knew who oh, they were, true. but, yeah. but know, Jerry true. learns who they are. Yeah, no, that's true. So that's big information, but the yeah. fact that he's messing with his head, you know, we don't know where this is going to go. So mm. crazy, crazy. All right. Anything else before we move into tip line? Uh, nope. I don't think so. All right. Well, you just mentioned sister teacher. Let's see what she had to say about episode eight. What does Heather have in that backpack? Is she going to bomb someplace? She presented to Harry like she believed in the justice system. She did. She's like, well, she kind of like prove it to me. You know, if this is such a just system. Show me. But uh, yeah, we did see that she had the flyers, but we've also seen all this uh, planning and plotting. So why did we just see flyers? Uh, Lieutenant Billets needs no complaints. What did Pierce do? He started trouble. I'm glad Vega spoke to Lieutenant about it. Honesty is the best policy. I love Mank. He knows just what to do. True story. Scott Anderson trying to bribe Chief Irving? He told him what to do with it. Does he still want to be mayor? 
I hope not, even though I would support him. Good to know. Avril sees everything. How many eyes does he have? Mr. Wise was bold going to the center. Truth. Jerry entered Avril's house. I would have stayed at the front door. That's interesting, yeah. The way he set up the DE agent was slick. He presented like he is an innocent party. Mm -hmm. Very good points. Very good points for sure. Always. Yeah, that is interesting how he went. He went all the way to the back through his house to the back. You know, I mean, Jerry can handle it, but I wouldn't have wanted to follow him all the way. Jed. His name Jed, is sorry. Jed, thank you. Thank you for that correction. We have from Kelly observations from episode eight and thank you for the nice things you said about the podcast kelly we appreciate that wait she said nice things i want to well, know yeah i just thought i mean yeah she did she hopes we have a great saturday first of all and she loves the bosch podcast and she thanks oh. us for hosting these well so. then i love her yes of course given that's easy, that's easy. But thank you for those, those nice comments. Um, number one, I was positive Charlie Hoven would get killed trying to do business with evil Avril. This scene of him trying to deliver the money made me so nervous. It's a good one. Did that make you nervous, Jay? It made me frustrated. Yeah. But she has a good point. If, I mean, you could look at it as he's going down. You yeah, know, that's there true. was a yeah. risk. Yeah, a lot of risk there because we knew that Avril knew. Uh, number two, I wonder why Bosch and J. Edgar have the same cell phone ringtone. Do all detectives require the same ringtone? Interesting. Hmm. It seems like that could get confusing, too. Mm. They're together or, you know, at a scene. Yeah, like oh, if I'm going, ever out somewhere, not yeah. necessarily my ringtone, but if I hear someone have my text tone and then I'm looking at my phone yeah, yeah. and I'm like, that it? Who's <laughs> I know. That's mine. Um, number three, I love how Bosch questions Roger Dillon, watching his responses and looking straight through to his soul to yeah, see any indication of real, guilt. Very true. Uh, then she has a trivia question. Might as well throw it in. She said that we probably would know this one. I do not. I never remember it. Jay, what is Bosch's badge number? Oh, oh, ah, dang it. I just <laughs> like erased my list of bad numbers. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! It's like two nine nine seven or something. I can't confirm, but it's not listed here. But maybe someone I'm, on the. I'm pretty sure it's two nine nine something. Okay, sure. we'll have to look into that. We'll have to look into it. All right, Joe got some feedback from Joe, and Joe has some trivia as well. So if you got any trivia, folks, if you're in the Bosch pit, if you have some, oh, yeah. go ahead and start sending that our way because we we'll get to that too. One, Maddie attends the preliminary hearing, saying she wants to watch Honey Chandler work. Shows she's like her father, observe and deduce to get a better understanding of what is happening. I agree. Harry investigates the men Daisy and her boyfriend scam. He decided that Dylan is Daisy's killer because he knows information that's being held back from the public. You know the symbol. That yeah. The, yeah, that the sign the killer has been signing his kills. Dylan didn't know the backseat killer couldn't have killed Daisy. That's interesting. He probably doesn't know. I mean, would, do you think he would? Would he have heard in the news that she was that he was in a drunk tank and that? This was an unsolved, or would that just be within the LAPD? I don't. I mean, I don't know for sure, but that, that I mean, I, I'm not doubting Joe. Yeah. I just wonder how that works. Like when they find out that someone, oh, we learned information that shows that she is not the a victim of the backseat right. picture. But that that's very interesting. Maddie made dinner for Harry and her fettuccine Alfredo, making the pasta noodles herself. Harry isn't one to make the pasta noodles himself. No, I'd agree. He wouldn't take the time. And Maddie bought the stuff herself. I'm disappointed she didn't put any chicken or shrimp or something in there, though. Oh, really? So, yeah. yeah. I need some protein with my <laughs> fettuccine alfredo, okay. don't you? I do. I don't really, but oh, but I hear right. you. I hear you. Fine. All, all right. right, we got some trivia from Joe. Oh boy. Okay, we did this one. Oh, okay. It's, but he goes even further. This yes. is trivia and math. 
What is Money Chandler's cut of Dante Crow's settlement of the wrongful case against LA County? So you have to know what the settlement was and what her percentage was. So well, what does she get? You did tell me it was 6.5. And mm-hmm. Do you remember her percentage? It was 30. Is it 30 or 35%? See, real mm-hmm. life lawyers. You tell me. Only 35 or 40%. Shoot. It was 30. It was 30. Right, I'm going to go with 1.41 million because that's somewhere in the neighborhood of the <laughs> Even higher. So at 30%, that would be uh, $1,950,000. All right. Here's a badge ID for you. Grace Billets. Oh, oh, wait. I have that. Hold on. I have it right in front of me. Hold on. <laughs> Jenna, look, look, check this out. I took this screenshot from it earlier. Can you see that? Oh, oh yep, yep, yep. Because good, I was going to ask you a question about uh-huh. Larry So there Alvarez. it is. There it is. So 28172. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, look of course. That. It's right there on the oh. screen. <laughs> nice, nice screen capture. All right, uh, you have to get this one. Yes. What is the name of the company Dylan owns? Oh, Sugar Smacks. <laughs> oh my God, this is like the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> I know oh, you gotta know God. this. Now I'm gonna be an idiot. I I totally don't remember the name of it. It's it's something bio something, but I, <laughs> bio I don't. Something. I don't. All right, I'll give you a hint. He does cleaning. So okay, so bio cleaning. Killers Incorporated. I don't <laughs> post mortem, really remember, and I should thank you. Post mortem biocleaners. I've just oh, I've said it so many times that that was an easy I one, and I should have known that one. Well, sometimes it's right there in front of you, and you you know, Pete does that to us sometimes. Which we miss Pete you, tonight. Those of you listening, before we talk about Pete, these are the examples of things that I make sure get edited out when I look stupid like that. But now Tracy will leave that in there, so that way mm. everyone knows I'm an idiot. Yeah, I have the power. <laughs> I have the editing power. So, but yes, I was saying we miss Pete tonight. Okay. So we hope to get him back. Soon. Did I say sugar smacks out loud? Damn it! You that's did. That's your. That's your. It's that's my your, internal. That's your call sign. Not, not cussing. <laughs> I didn't even realize I said it. Mike's laughing at me. Yeah, I have a lot of weird sayings, people. I try to keep them out of the podcast, so you guys. You do like, have some weird ones. Yeah, yeah, I do. All right. Did we get any trivia from oh, the Bosch pit? Uh, or? Any trivia from you people? Uh, I don't think so. We went through a lot. Now, speaking of trivia, let's talk about Mike is starting some trivia on Sunday or Monday. Is it Uh, Sunday or Monday? Oh, and he said Monday. 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 Starts Monday. All right. You know what we should do, too? I'm thinking about this. Uh, You know that one interview that I need to release the video of? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should release it first to the Bosch pit. Those people should get to see it first. Oh, that's interesting. I like that idea. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. A little yeah. sneak peek special access. I like it. Yeah. They should get for, that. For being such great hosts to yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. All right, good, cool. Good well, plan. then I'll work on that. I don't think we have anything else except an amazing interview with Amy Aquino. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. So much fun to talk to. That's it. Great time, everyone. See you next time. See you. Bye. How many eye rolls does Captain Cooper deserve? <laughs> well, <laughs> if there is, if the scale one to five, if, if that uh-huh. is the scale yeah. of eye rolls, then Captain Cooper deserves like a six. Yeah. Mm. Well, we've been privy to the first five episodes of season six. Uh, so oh, I don't know great. how everything plays out, but I definitely, yeah, agree with your estimation at this point. Six. Yeah. 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 yeah look, we, sure. we knew what kind of a guy Captain Cooper was before we even met him, because as you recall, 
in season, was it four? When the police station was under attack? The yeah, attack yeah. Season four. I mean, he wasn't even there. There, yeah. He was home with his flat screen TV. Yeah. And even <laughs> when the station is under attack, he doesn't bother to show up. So uh, mm -hmm. I, we, we, we were not loving him right from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds about accurate. Yeah. All right, Jay, what do you have? Speaking of seasons, Allie, there in Amazon, uh, before you came on, she said you were going to give us the scoop on the entire season six, season seven. So did you want to oh, tell is that, is that what she said? Let me just yeah. double check with Allie yeah, that's right what there. She said. <laughs> that's what she said. Um, yeah, there she goes. Ha, ha, <laughs> yes. You know what? And the fact of the matter is I'm totally the wrong person to ask. <laughs> I, I find this stuff out when I get my script for the most part. Yeah. Oh. I know. Yeah. I told Allie well, I was gonna okay. I was I, I was gonna test her to see if she would jump in and stop me from asking questions. <laughs> she did. She, yeah. For the record. She was <laughs> ready, Jay. She was ready. ready. All right, back to the real <laughs> questions now. Back to the real questions. Yeah. Is is Billets ever really gonna catch a break from command? Ever? That, that your guess is as good as mine. I sure hope so. I mean and and actually um I can say with some certainty yes without going into anything more you've only sure. seen episodes one through five yeah. so there okay. there are there are people out there who appreciate that she really wants to do her job and do it the right way the way it's supposed mm -hmm. to be done not which is not always by the book and it's not as she's not as willing to go so far off as harry is but she has the same moral compass and mm -hmm. and it is appreciated and and you see you do see a little glimmer of appreciation okay. conceivably even here possibly mm -hmm. you know i, I think that i'll just kind of leave it to that and she says all okay. good so yeah good. i like it i like it a little bit of encouragement but we're not quite sure okay yeah. right well i loved how you and titus and jamie played that scene where jerry is trying to find the camera footage before Alicia Kent leaves the station uh, with Stanley's belongings. It was such a team effort, but like you guys working together. Is it extra fun to play a sort of a gotcha scene like that, or is it just another day at work? Oh, for me, that was a great scene to shoot because I was actively part of an investigation, and that's mm -hmm. very rare that you get mm -hmm. to see that. You have to remember that Grace, you know, she was a detective before she was a lieutenant before she was in management she was out there and she was doing it and you got to see where she understands tactics and she understands how to follow through with them and uh mm -hmm. and so i loved that i just loved it and you know i love being able to play with with the three of them too you know and yeah with, with uh make as well yeah it's, yeah so yeah, that was really delightful that was cool i, I like that yeah we need more of that all right, Jay. I agree. <laughs> I agree, Jay. I, here, here. Yes. I All think right. that, yep. Well, one thing I'd love to see in season, in the next season or last season, is her following her own case. That would be. That would, that be, would be great. All right, yeah. we're gonna get that it done. Somebody start a petition. Let's do it. Okay. There we go. We're on it. Twenty years from now, when there's a whole new generation of Bosch fans that come in and find the show for the first time, they check it out. What's the one thing you want them to get from your portrayal of Billets? What's, what's the big thing you want them to get from it? If there's one thing that I want them to take is that 
women are absolutely a part and a major part of law enforcement and can do it, are doing it and can do it absolutely 100% as well as men. And it will be a little reminder to them of how hard it once was for women. Yeah. Because by then, I mean, the LAPD force is already about 35% female. That's, you know, including everybody who works in the LAPD. And, but it's still obviously male dominated. And you certainly see that on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of like the film industry, right? It's, that's, yeah, that's all you see. But in the film industry, because of the Me Too movement, it's gone, you know, it's, it's really blown up and it's gotten turned on its head. And, and it's so exciting to watch these shows, you know, some of the, 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 the uh, shows that I love the most and you watch and you look, I look at the credits in the end. Oh, directed by a woman, directed by a woman. Oh, that's directed by a different woman. That's all. Oh, another woman. Where did they come from? Where did they come from? Because, you know, three years ago, before all this happened, it was like, we'd love to hire women directors, but there just aren't any. And how weird they were all like, boom, they all appeared. So I, I would, I would like people to look back and be able to say, oh, these were the women who were who were blazing the trail and fighting mm-hmm. through it all when they had still had something that they had to fight through because there was this notion that law enforcement was a place for men. Love it. Love it. That's good. Yeah. Good message. All right. Now, instead of going into the future 20 years, let's go back a little bit. <laughs> okay. Let's go back a little bit. Let's go back with working girl. Working girl that better. stage. That's a better thing. No, when I <laughs> yeah. when I yeah. did work because working girl was I, I was trying to remember if working girl or moonstruck were my first were my first which one of those was my first was the one that got me my SAG card. It was one or the other, I believe. When I did working girl, I had decided um, I moved to New York. I had got just got just gotten out of graduate uh, graduate school, and I was going to do the theater, and I was going to do movies, and I was not going to be stuck in television and um <laughs> so no if if you're asking whether i ever dreamed that this is where i would be look at you with your lakeside thing there wow today um <laughs> this is my hollywood estate yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. party um the so no i i have was absolutely convinced i would never do this and be do be doing anything like this and i i'd actually said to myself well, and if i end up having to just do TV, then I would rather just do something else. I'll go back and go to the School of Public Health and be wow. a doctor or something. Um, because wow. I had my degree in biology, and I certainly was not going to be living in Los Angeles or Hollywood. I was living in my my 350 square foot third floor walk up in Hell's Kitchen at that time, and I would never ever ever live in Hollywood. <laughs> I even told my friends in New York as I was packing up to come out for pilot season, which the last pilot season, it ended up being my last pilot season coming out here. And I said, if you ever get a, a letter from me and it's and the return address is Hollywood, I want you to promise you're gonna come out, get me and bring me back. <laughs> so uh, no, this is kind of the furthest furthest thing from- Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because at that time, it was a different time. It, the, the business has changed so dramatically. And I talk about this all the time when I talk to um, kids who are graduating from acting programs because you know i would talk to the graduating classes at usc i always talk with the graduating class from yale and others the that the business at the time you kind of 
your theater was your training ground when you got out of school and then you would either become a film actor or you'd become a TV actor, one or the other, not both. And um, I, when I started out, I kind of did start out as doing both, but there was a point at which my agency was, it was a big agency and they sort of made a decision. Oh, we know that Amy can get hired in television and she can make a lot of money there. And, you know, so that's, we're not going to press her for film. I also was at that time considered, this was considered super ethnic, like super ethnic, which (laughs) kids now coming out of drama school are all like, they just burst out laughing when I say that, but yeah, that was the case. You know, if you were not blonde and, you know, with a typical all American face, you were considered super ethnic. And so the role, any role you were going to be considered for had to be that being ethnic needed to be a part of that role. You weren't going to be considered generally for the mm-hmm. mother, the wife, the, the friend, the leading lady or whatever. You had to be like the wacky Italian best friend to Maria Cucito Alonso or, you know, and, and I did a lot of, a lot of best friends. And that, but I was also in this weird position because if they really needed somebody of color, they would send me out for these roles, people of color. And I'd be like, I'm really not black. I am not. So if you were looking for a person of color, I'm not going to work. And I'd find myself in audition rooms with an, you know, an Asian woman and four black women and a Latino woman and me. And it's like, if you're looking for that texture and you want that diversity, I do not supply that because I'm actually white. That's crazy. That's crazy. Interesting. So it, it was a really very, very, very different time. Um, thank God Sigourney Weaver had hair like mine. Because that's how I got hired and working. I found out like, later. They wanted somebody that looked kind of like Sigourney for the role of, of the secretary at the end. And my hair was a little. I love my was my hair though was was somewhere in between Sigourney's and and you know and and Melanie's friends. But um, anyway, that's, that's but a cool that's, fact. But I digress. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I still have my. I still use my. This was my swag from Working Girl. It, it was oh a, my gosh! Yes, oh my yes. Gosh. I literally, it's on my desk every day. And for those who can't see it, it's a little paper clip, magnetic plastic yeah. paper clip holder. That um, still that, very functional. It's totally functional, and it says <laughs> "Working Girl, 19." Oh, there's the date, 1988, 20th Century Fox. Awesome. I graduated in '86, so and we made it in '87, uh, I believe. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's All right, Jay, you're going to queue up the uh, the contest? Yep. Uh-oh. Oh. Whoa. Oh, right oh, my God. Yo. Hey. Yo. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm good. Okay, right, so Jay's going to tell you about the contest. Okay. <laughs> I know nothing about it. I'm frightened. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Well, you know, in our podcast, we normally end it with some kind of silly questions or whatever. Well, this year we're doing something different and we're putting all the cast and creatives against one another. So we have three oh questions. God. Three questions. I mean, there's no real right or wrong answer, but we're going to keep track of all this to figure out who the ultimate winner is at the end. Okay. So question number one. Okay. How many times in season six will someone mention j edgar's clothing wow no pressure no pressure wow uh gosh 
I had so little to do with him this past season, which was sad. But I, I guess like zero? I think maybe zero. Henrik, you cheater. You were there most of the time. Huh? <laughs> Am I supposed to answer this as well, or is this for Amy only? No, everybody gets to answer it. And since you're here, you, you can answer it yourself now too. Go ahead. Well, uh, it's right. Not as many as usual. I would go with five. Wow. That's going to be my guess. And it's a guess. Well, okay, okay. How, and who would it have been? I'm trying to think. I mean, it's sure not Harry. I again, I, I, uh, Tracy watched the first five. I've only watched the first four, and someone mentioned his shoes at one point in oh, his the shoes. second episode. I think yeah. his, his shoes got so there's at up. least one. There's at least okay, one. we'll see if it's closer to zero or closer right. to five. Okay, question number two How many times in season six will we hear Irving mutter his infamous bosh? <laughs> Uh, let's see oh man i don't i don't know if he does i think zero again okay it it couldn't be season if we didn't have (laughs) no fair he's gonna write it in he's gonna (laughs) gonna edit it right damn back in here's an eight yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still not too late to open the episodes in and get it. But it's also like Eric loves that when he writes. I'll go three. 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 Wow. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Uh, and then finally, how many scenes will we see Coltrane in? Oh, Bunny. Oh, he's a good dog. Wow. How many scenes? Like six? Six is our six. final answer. Okay, I'll go with slightly less. Oh. I would say four. 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 All right. I know they go to walk him. Did you see the video, uh, the Coltrane video, by the way, you guys? Well, I know Henrik did, but did you guys see it? I don't think I've seen it. No, I don't think so. Oh, Detective Coltrane. We shot an adorable video with with a spinoff. It, it Connolly posted it and he's like, Oh, he's oh, I did see it. Yes, I did see it. it. Yeah, I just saw it the other day. Yep, 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 yep. That was the yep. hardest thing for me to shoot, as I believe I mentioned in my comments, because I love dogs beyond all reason. And I have a great relationship with dogs. They get me, that sort of thing. Um, and so he and I were, I was just like thrilled to be able to work with him when we were shooting that thing. And so he and I were just loving each other up and loving each other up. And then we had to shoot the scene where I yell at him and he was so confused. He just, it was so hard. It was so hard for me to do. He's looking at me. He's like, what's the matter? You were just burying your head in my (laughs) nose. And and then he wouldn't, he wouldn't. So I was telling him to drop it, you know, drop it. And he would drop it, you know, because I said, drop it. And it was so hard between every take I had to go and like love him up and try to explain to him that I wasn't really mad at him. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Good to see you, Henry. Bye, Amy. Okay, take care.